Hello, Hopheads. Thank you so much for sticking with us over these past, what is it, eight months since we've been on the mic? Since September. Yeah, we took it's a little like bit like of a two break. two years for me. <laughs> oh, I'm a, I feel like I'm like an original band member coming <laughs> back. Yeah, Zach was in rehab, so we had to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> but I kicked it. He's kicked, he, he kicked it. He's back. And we, we've never seen him better. So uh, we're going to have some episodes coming out monthly uh, now, moving forward with the format. And... We're excited to go on the ride with you guys, so thanks for sticking with us, and let's have a hell of a fucking adventure. Thanks for sticking with us, and uh, we're back, baby. Yeah, I love it. Back to the fun. I'm vengeance. (laughs) 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 Welcome to Hop Heroes, where we talk about nerd culture, storytelling, myth-making, alcoholic beverages, and the underbelly of the dirty city we live in. This week on Hop Heroes. I've been a Seattle Mariners fan since I was born, you know, and I've just been a day one, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. (laughs) We're not seeing too many, like, huge famous actors, so I think you just get, you're not distracted by that either. You're just enjoying the the writing and you're enjoying the... Robert Pattinson was not in it. Oh, Where that was, was he wasn't Bobby Pats. Oh. No, jeez. Spoil it away. I mean, I do want movie. people love to, it. to see this movie. Yeah, yeah, I'll try to stay away. I think I can do it. Um, everybody dies. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hop Heroes, a show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. I'm your host, Jordan Arith, and with us as always, connecting via FaceTime, we got yep. talented artist and comic enthusiast and soon-to-be daddy, J.R. Gonzalez. Yep. Yep, a lot going on. How's it going? Uh, it does feel like old times videoing in, but uh, I feel like I'm trapped in this room and you guys are having all the fun, but whatever. We are having a lot of fun. Do you, so much. I, I got do, do yeah, you I feel the baby like coming, quarantine so. vibes again? Like you feel like you're taking a, a little bit, a little bit you know? Ago. Yeah, just a little bit. I haven't even shaved. You see that mustache coming in? No. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything. I, see I it, haven't dude, cut my worry. hair. I can't cut my hair anymore. I stopped cutting oh, my hair like over flow. a month ago. So much flow. I'm into it. <laughs> you like that? I um, it. I, it's beautiful. Oil and conditioner. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been kind of cool. Uh, I watched this movie, Licorice Pizza. For the first time the other day, he's got a baby that's due any day, and he's gonna talk about licorice pizza. I love it. All right, yeah, yeah, the baby, it. the baby will be here. That'll be big news when he's here. Right now, I got a couple days to <laughs> before I have dedicated to a baby. Um, it was actually quite amazing because there's this this sequence where they're running through a lot, you know, like in this movie, and it's just a love story, and it's based in the '70s, and they're like running and. Um, and then there's a sequence that sequence at the end that they finally realize that they're meant for each other and that they love each other and they're running together. And the director, which is, it has, um, Philip Seymour's son, Cooper Hoffman in there and, um, mm-hmm. Haim, uh, from the band Haim, at least one of the sisters. And, and there's this great scene at the end where he puts it together and he has all the sequences of running together and, and he just kind of mixes it all together. It kind of it kind of uh, reminded me of, of life a little bit, and kind of like kind of into the kid stuff, you know. And kind of like, man, we're just all headed towards the direction that you're meant to be in. And like I said, throughout Damn. the movie, they just have this like they're they're running all the time. They're running from the cops, or they're they're running from each other, or they're running to this. And then at the end, the director did a great job of just like ha- handing that stuff into like mixing it together. And 
it's like, yeah, you're meant to run in the right direction if you just let it. And I, that was like a total like thing for me in life. And with the kids come in and our house getting done, it's like all these things that we were like having done at the same time was so stressful. And uh, that movie just kind of hit me pretty good the other day. So I wanted to talk about it, but it's a good Dang. movie. Starting off think, deep. Yeah. Wow. We're starting off right. deep, bro. Hey, something, something happens to you when you're, when you either just had a kid or you're about to have a kid, bro. Yeah, it's weird. I swear. You're you're think about so doing many too much things. reflecting lately, man. Yeah. What the hell's going on? I feel like it's like you're, you're like thinking about all this stuff. Like you're like all the phases of life and uh, how you got here. And that's, yeah. that's cool though. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. going to, I got to put that on my list. Yeah, I've heard great yeah, things yeah. about that movie. And uh, that's our third host chiming in here. Uh, you know, newly found bandwagon fan of our very one and only. Bruh. To the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> Seattle Mariners. Zach Barlow, Bro, how you doing, kid? I'm good, man. I'm, I've been a Seattle Mariners fan since I was born, you know, mm. and I've just been a day one, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., Randy Johnson, <laughs> okay, too. <laughs> Alex two. Rodriguez, Jay Buhner, all you right, know, all right. Edgar Martinez, the '95 squad. I dig it. Uh, yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah, I'm just a Took huge a fan. Hiatus, and now he's back. I watched, um, yeah, I watched the first Mariners game this a uh, couple weeks ago. Well, actually, it was last week. I think they were playing the Yankees, and been watching them ever since. It's been pretty fun. So yeah, I'm totally on the bandwagon. I, I haven't watched baseball in years. But uh, well, you haven't missed anything. It's yeah, and every every game I watch, I just text Jordan because I know out of all my friends, he's the only one that's also watching. Absolutely. So and I know exactly, you don't have to say anything besides he said LOL last time. I know exactly what he was referring to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good yeah. time to be a Mariner fan. Have, uh, what have you been up to, Manzi? You know, you're uh, you know daddy in it up, and then you got to hop on kid duty here in a little bit after we were. Yeah, this I mean that's pretty much it. I've I've back to work full time. That's been you know cool and. Raising so this, excited. yeah, I'm not. It's not that cool, <laughs> you know. It kind of sucks, but at least I get to work from home, so I've been around and just, you know, just doing what I can to raise this boy right, you know. Just yeah. give him, give him backbone, give him some, some strength. You know what I'm saying? Some Hell vision. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, some yeah. Agility. Some agility. Exactly. Get that throw power up. Yeah. So just, you know, just raising the kid and still doing the film stuff at night, but that's about it, Don. That's about know. it. Good for you. Chilling. Well, well, since you guys asked, I've been doing great. Um, I, uh, unlike you don't get to work from home. So I'm sitting here at currently with soaking wet, uh, shorts on and probably the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my life. And it's not, Oh, my shorts. Can you get off my leather? You want to sit on the floor? My, my underwear are mostly wet now. And it's not because I'm hanging out with you. That's not the only reason. Well, uh, we had a carnival at work today and I was, uh, volunteered to hop in the, the dunk tank. So. Like Bro, I, I'm convinced you don't work. I got dunked a few times today. No, I I, I find time. I find time. To work. <laughs> uh, no, I've had an eventful few few weeks since we last hung out. Last last weekend, went down to the Couve and saw a good friend who you guys will soon meet, Tyler Allett. He is uh, works for the Washington State Beer Commission, so he travels with all uh, the brewery tours and has a lot of insight in the Washington beer Ooh. industry and nice um, trials and tribulations. So I'd love to have him on for an episode. Told him told him that we'd like to have him on he'd be down for that but he was hold, holding one down in vancouver and got to see some of our uh you know well-known breweries from up here obviously fremont uh was down there um bail uh, bail breaker was down there um there's a lot of locals there was one 
Reigns of Wrath. My buddy Brendan Greenan started. He's my pledge brother from college. Oh, nice. So they had a tent down there, so that was the first stop I made. But, yeah, it was just really cool, man. There's nothing better than live music and, you know, tons of breweries. And, and, and then you got Tyler there just hooking up with the free beer tickets. And yeah, that's dope. Just letting it rip. That's so. dope. Um, speaking of beer, uh, we have a rogue beer on deck for today. We figured we're talking Umbrella Academy, Sandman, and Nope. Um, so our beer is following the uh, Sandman theme, and this is Dreamland Lager from Rogue. Um, Rogue's one of my favorite beers to to see in the store just because their artwork is always on point. Top notch. They always have the cool skeleton guy doing crazy things, or this one has you know people running in clouds with salmon and stars and peace signs and aliens and just a lot of stuff that I feel like is fitting for what we're talking about today. Um, those who don't know, Rogan originated uh, back in 1988 in Newport, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the owner was uh, trapped in a snowstorm down there, and this sweet old lady named Mo took him into her her little uh, shack for uh, a beer, um, or sorry, a bed. And she said she always wanted to live above a brewery, and so she rented out the downstairs to him. And there on Newport Beach, Rogue was born. And uh, Mo, that's a cool story. Mo is uh, there's a picture of her. She's no longer with us. Picture of her in her bathtub, black and white. That's in every rogue pub around the country. Oh, that's cool. Um, to honor her. So yeah, pretty cool story. And yeah. I also learned that lager uh, stands for, is from the German word uh, for storage, because lagers mm. are made um, obviously for storage because that's the most common commercial beer out there. Nice. Uh, so learned a lot, you know. Look at you with your facts. Yeah. So you've been drinking this with me here, Z. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's a lager. It's not going to be the most potent, but. I mean, I think I like it. I think it serves the the lager purpose. I feel like it's uh, crisp, light, uh, almost like kind of a, a citrusy, like front front taste to it, um, which kind of separates it from like a, I don't want to say more bland, but more bland lager. Mm-hmm. Like I think that like you can get a lager that's, you know, more commercial like a Bud Light or Budweiser or whatever and doesn't have like that complexity of a flavor and not to say that this does but there's a little bit of lemon in it I can taste and you know that crisp lightness and so it, yeah it's, it's pretty good it's like a nice little summer summer beer in fact I'll have another one if you got one I'm all out so I all do right. uh enjoy these <laughs> as well I think that they're uh they're definitely a step up from a lager I think it's almost like uh a really mellowed down, like hazy. Um, yeah. With that, that sweetness up front, it's got a little cloud, cloud texture to it. Um, the dreamland name, I think is really fitting for the flavor here. So, uh, definitely a recommend. I think it's great exactly for the summer. And, and it's, it's hot as shit out today too. So like these are cold. It's like it's nice little lager. Degrees. I feel like it's like yeah. very fitting for the type of day we're having. And so, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Cheers to Rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to go into our first and probably JR's most uh, anticipated topic today, Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. every uh, month when we do an episode, I put together a soundboard of you know our topics. And the first thing that came to mind from Umbrella Academy was all these reviews. For, first off, the backstory is that we were going to talk about it months ago in JR. Yeah, like I show, definitely wanted to hit this. That show was butt, just crap. Like, just yeah. that. Let's not waste our time. Stinky, stinky asshole. Um, And then Zach looks up um, on his little rating system that he has access to (laughs) about what's the most talked about product algorithm in media. (laughs) Yep. Um, And Umbrella Academy took the cake. It was it was all across all boards, right? Yep. And it was it was more more popular than um, at the time. You know, more popular than Stranger Things. Which really was like a pretty close release time. Like they didn't release that far away from each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
more popular than Gray Man, more popular than like all the big things that we were talking about at the time. Umbrella Academy was like head and shoulders above what everything else was. So then, and get granted, this was before Joe JR was like, this shit sucks. Like, we're not going to talk about it. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, so many people are watching it. That's mm. so then I started looking up ratings. Mm. Yeah. And it's really highly rated. Like on Rotten Tomato, it was like 90% or something like that, which is like super high for Rotten Tomato. I mean, we talk about, we use Rotten Tomatoes our like kind of general barometer for a lot of the stuff we do. And, you know, it's pretty accurate, I'd say. Like I, I feel like it's not perfect. No rating system is, but Rotten Tomatoes is pretty good. Um, and yeah, it was just rated so high. So then I started to think, is my buddy JR, is he lying? <laughs> <laughs> is he lying to me, man? Because if that many people are watching it, if it's that popular, if it's that highly rated, critically rated too, not just audience rated. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just feel like all the all the signs were pointing towards JR leading us astray. So I brought it up to the guys and I was like, hey man, I think we should we should reconsider this. And so now here we are. Here we are. Here we are. And here's what I'll say to those, those critics that gave it the highest ratings ever. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. <laughs> At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. <laughs> Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. So... That's how I feel about. What is that from? That's from uh, Billy Madison. Oh, okay. That's the end of Billy yeah. Madison. Oh, okay. He gives this whole epic <laughs> yes. speech about finding this lost dog, and he just fucking clowns on him. Um, so, Umbrella Academy. I've never been a fan, to be honest. Uh, I think that's not. You were never a fan. I was always an. I was always a hater uh, from day one. I remember when we read the comic before the first season came out. I thought that if Gerard Way didn't write this. Uh, yeah. Nobody. Yeah, I do remember, yeah, I do remember this that. Comic yeah. Exists, but the fact that it has Gerard Way backing it. It has some fun artwork, like it caught a kind of a cult following. So yeah. I know the JR was a big fan of the comic. I think you were as well. Um, I think I wanted to like with it. With your My Cam Love fandom. I think I wanted to like it. But I think I was honest about that. I was saying, like, I'm going to give this, like, a long leash because I feel like it has the potential to, like, turn a corner. And I want Gerard Way to succeed because I'm really rooting for him. Yeah. Well, we know that you love it because you yeah. named your uh, firstborn after the main character. So. Absolutely not. Luther, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, so I you know, know you loved it. This might be a good spot to promote our Patreon because that episode is on there. Yeah. And if you want to catch mm. us, maybe maybe we remember. Who knows? Most of about 95% of us were drunk probably during those episodes. And oh, yeah. so we can't remember exactly. 96. And so um, be a good time to check that out. Yeah, support we'll the, the, support the show our, uh, and go Instagram listen to our uh, Umbrella Academy. Yeah, good plug. We just haven't been doing this for a couple a couple of days. We've been doing this for quite a while. So, yep, yeah, for sure. So, my my thoughts going into this were like when Jr. said let's we'll skip it. I was like dope, let's skip it because I I didn't want to have to power through another season. I thought that too at first. Um, and then Zach found his new knowledge of you know all the higher ratings, so we dove back in. Mm-hmm. And how do we feel now? Okay, so. I want this session to be specific. Like, I, let me just challenge both of you two to be specific. Because if we're not specific, then <laughs> this session is going to be terrible. It's just going to be us bashing. Okay. So I'm going to take my own challenge. So um, I didn't like it. 
Okay. I didn't think it was very good. I was disappointed because I, like I said earlier, I really like Jared Way. I was a big fan of Mike Cam. I still am. And I really wanted him to succeed. And honestly, at the beginning of this show in the book, I felt like it was like in, an interesting world. Like I felt like the sandbox that he was building was interesting. And maybe some cool shit could happen. It just hadn't happened yet. Like I felt like it wasn't executed yet. What I realized in watching this season, I think this is season three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that the main thing this show and the book, the story generally, has going for it is how like interesting the characters are and how like kind of just um creative they all are but once i got through like the first couple episodes of season three what i started to feel was that the characters themselves like them being unique from like the genesis of them was not enough anymore to like hold my attention because i had spent three seasons with them at this point so like they're like kind of Woo, like Luther, he's like a ape man. He has a head on an ape body. That's crazy. Like that kind of energy just was not there at anymore. Now it became okay, we need to get deeper with these characters somehow and develop them somehow to maintain what I was kind of ho- hoping for. Like this level of hope I had for the show. And I just don't think it happened. Like, I, I think they tried. Like, they had, like, a lot of arc with um, Victor, used to be Vanya, now Victor. They had a lot of arc with um, Rumor. Like, Rumor got real dark, and yeah. and Luther had a love story. And I don't know. Like, it's not lack of effort. It's just that at the end of the day, I just felt like I just didn't care. Yeah. Like, I just I just didn't care. Like, and I, I didn't care, and I felt like... <clears throat> Maybe the budget wasn't there because I thought a lot of the um, it's pretty big CGI. I mean. I, yeah, but I just felt it didn't look that good. They I don't know, a lot man. Of their scenes in like the hotel and in the house. Yeah, and then and then my last piece is every season they're dealing with an apocalypse. Yeah, of some level. Yeah, every single season. So the first season it was an apocalypse. The second season is apocalypse, and the third season, guess what? It's another apocalypse. <laughs> and so when you keep rolling out the stakes as high as you possibly can make them, what you end up doing is producing no stakes at all. You just know that there's going to be, you know, people are going to get through it. Maybe some people die. Maybe some people don't. But this, like, apocalyptic level event that you're, like, marching towards as the series moves through its its course that's supposed to create this tension in the viewer is failing to do that because you've already used that level of of tension. You've already used that device twice now. Twice. So I just felt like there wasn't tension. The characters themselves, I felt, weren't interesting anymore in, just because they were who they were. Like, I understood their powers. I knew why they were that way. So I needed to get deeper, and I feel like they failed to do that. So I just felt like, overall, it wasn't very good. You ever notice, Jr. Whenever Zach gives critique lately, it's always the stakes. Stakes are not. The stakes are no longer there. The stakes are no longer there. The stakes weren't high hmm. enough. You can't care about the stakes. I feel like we should get like a steakhouse sponsorship. Like, <laughs> <Daniel's> <laughs> or, or the stakes. Every are time always on steak, the stakes are always there. Off. Yeah, I'll reach out <laughs> see if we can get some uh, some fellas. That'd be there. dope. Um, Jr. I'll let you. I'll let you close this one out because this was the big, the one that you were a big fan of, and the fact that you shit on it so early. I'm I'm intrigued to hear why. Um, on right on the chat. <clears throat> 
just just to partner up with you, Zach, I'm not going to camp on this too long because I've just never been a huge fan. I think that you coined it perfectly when you said that it was based on the characters to because they were creative and they were interesting. I feel like the characters have always been creative and they've never been interesting. I feel like the ideas of the characters is great in the execution of them, their dialogue, their their casting, like the the acting, like it's just never landed for me. And that was my critique from book one was like great ideas, no character development. And I feel like that's what we're we're seeing here in season three is just like can't rely on a premise of a character to carry you through a season, let alone three. Mm-hmm. So I never liked it. Um, I, I thought that my my only highlight, I thought Klaus had a great fun story. And when he was pretending like learning how to come back to life and the, getting hit by those cars, that was entertaining. Um, but outside of that, just it was uh, it was painful to get through. JR, what do you got? Yeah. Oh, let me um, let me get my hammer. list out. <laughs> He's got a Bible. Do you have a book? <laughs> <laughs> you said you're taking notes. Right? Yeah, no, dude. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So a couple things. First thing is, uh, I I know I've been harsh on maybe shows or movies that don't follow the original storyline. Um, I try not to be that way, but sometimes it's hard when you have a fan favorite such as this for me. You know, buying the Umbrella Academy when it first came out as an individual issue was pretty cool and having those in my collection was great mm-hmm. um this storyline hotel hotel oblivion was more i felt more epic in the comic book because there was so many more characters um you've got so many villains escaping from hotel oblivion and um it was uh, uh like a, a a mistake that their father had done in the past and they're trying to fix um and there wasn't that many, I guess, how do you say, character development that this show seemed to want to do this time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, why do you, like you're saying, why do you need character? There's no more character to develop. And so now you just don't know how to write a, a script to continue the storyline where the book didn't have to do that. It was just straight fun and straight violence and straight. The art was amazing and the writing was simple and it was just like, okay, it was an easy read. Thank you. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that comparison that that just kind of pissed me off a little bit because they just didn't do that story. they just used the title at the end right they used it titled it in one of the um one of the episodes they titled it hotel oblivion but the whole third season as we've been following the path of what they've been doing season one was the first set of books season two was the second set of books you know um and it, it looks like they just wanted to skip it or something i don't know and come up with their own stuff um, so was the Sparrow which, Academy not a not a part of that? Was that completely made up, or is that in the books? It's in the book, but it's not um, a big part in the Hotel Oblivion. Like it wasn't like they were fighting against each other, at least from my recollection, recollection, which has been years. But it just didn't. It wasn't such an epic thing where they were like, I don't. And Luther does not, or <laughs> does not, you know, hook up with anybody. You know, he still has feelings for. Um, the love story was painful. Or die. Yeah. Oh God. It was. Or, yeah. Oh, it that was sucked. so painful. That sucked. It's We're bad. gonna have yeah. a wedding. You're gonna be there. We're gonna have a best man. We're gonna have a. It's like you have party. hours to live, and it's like we're gonna have a wedding. I, I just, love yeah. you so much. I just could. Yeah. yeah. I, I think. Zach, and so I, I mean that's just kind of yeah I know, it was so that was tough too but that that's just kind of the first thing you know and that's and again that's not the end of the world if it doesn't match I think what really bothered me was this dynamic with Elliot Page and this storyline. It's like they used go. her 
here is listen up Wilkers. The... <laughs> see jr can just burn and down our fellowship thing. our fellow listeners let's go there goes our, our patreon promo um here's the thing i have a problem with it it's acting it, it really is and I, you can be whoever you want i'm cool with that it has, i i was not I don't give a crap about that. I'm, I'm happy when people are happy. That's what makes me happy. What makes me unhappy is in a show where you've got to be sucked into another world, and yet they change the show and the writing to, comp, to, to have her, that person in the show because, like, there is some kind of star receiver. It's like she was the uh, – sorry. Like, he was the quarterback of the – Tampa Bay or of uh, Buffalo Bills, and that person dictates how they're running. You know that Elliot Page is Lamar Jackson all of a sudden, and I never felt that. Making a woke complaint uh, comparison to the NFL football is just a great way to go, Jr. I don't I know, know, man. Right? I actually I just, think he has <laughs> like a. I'm I'm interested. I I thought this was going to be worse when it started, <laughs> but I'm intrigued by your position. Like I, I thought, yeah. I was just gonna like be like, "Oh man, we got a damage control." So you're upset because they changed a the whole narrative around one character because who to, she it, is in it, or who he is in real life, as opposed to the character. Exactly, and in the in the book, um, that character is not even prominent. Like they they gave Elliot Page all these superpowers. Like I had to fast forward. Like if it was a great transition, I think I would I would have been fine. But I had to start fast forwarding through the dialogue. Because I couldn't stand it anymore. Like, it, it was just so boring and so, like, hey, guys, are you okay with my new haircut? <laughs> Victor Pouting was a little annoying. And they never, never slipped up and said Vanya or said her, she. Like, they yeah. had it, him and Victor, every single time. I feel like when it happens that quickly, there's going to be a slip up. Like, you're going to accidentally right. say Yeah. And, and they were it crisp just, on that. It's like, hey, our star power is Elliot Page and... Uh, she just goes keep, Kamehameha on everything. Like yeah, that. and we're gonna let let Elliot do whatever they need to, what he wants to do, to uh, the show. And I think that totally dictated the the storyline. Um, at the end of this, at the end of season two, you can kind of see it because they had they gave her gave when she when when Ellen Page was there, they gave her that love story with another lady, which is again cool, but it, it's like. I think we've always had this position on this show. If it's not artistic value and it's to more gather evidence, like an audience into it's like spreading your wings to bring more people in. Yeah. It's like a political agenda because it's not part of the original story. Right. The character doesn't go through anything like that. Yeah. No, but you're doing that. And then you're kind of doubling down this season by giving her all of this star, giving him all this star time or like, kind of uh central time when the character's not that prominent and she just no. he can just do whatever he wants. I, I I don't know man. I actually think that that's an interesting take. That's very interesting. It's yeah. an interesting take. I, I I um I can hear what you're saying. Like cuz any actor if any actor was just like, "Hey, so the way it's written that's cool, but um, I actually don't want a cat. I want a dog because like I'm into dogs and like, um, I actually don't want to be in love with this blonde girl. You're going to have to recast her as a brunette because I'm brunette. Like, I feel like that, that would be like, what you're acting yeah. like you're playing a character. What are we talking about? Exactly. I would have been totally, uh, like, I think I would have been totally amazed and more like, in like actually just kind of like 
I think I would have loved it if Elliot Page would, would have stuck with the character as being a woman, even though that she transitioned to a man, which is, again, great for her because it makes her happy. But I think that would have been, like, a, such a great thing. Like, hey, I'm still – I had to go through this transition as a person, but this this is acting, and I, I think that if I could still play a woman on an, on another level, then that, would, that just shows her character as, as this down for the art, down for the craft. And it's like, okay, this is no longer about the craft. This is about Elliot Page's and her and his agenda as, unfortunately, transgender, right? And I think, for me, that it's it's just kind of shitty to do that to a storyline. I mean, the dialogues were just really awful, and the um, I can't, not one character made me smile this time around. I mean, it just was it's completely boring. They added stuff. Um, I just was so disappointed. I had to stop at episode five and then we were going back into this. I was like, Oh, now I got to finish it. You know? <laughs> and I just, I, I tried to, out. yeah, I tried to understand. And it had, again, I hope people understand it has nothing to do with Elliot pages and, and his personal life and his transition it has everything to do with what we do here on the podcast, which is look at these stories and are they entertaining and are, are they enjoyable? And uh, does it make sense too, right? Because if it doesn't make sense, or is it wild, or whatever? I mean, it's just it's yeah. a struggle, and that was a struggle. I don't I don't like when I feel like there's an agenda. I know, yeah. And I'm that's, wondering if yeah. that's the reason why the high ratings. Like, is is that what's that's a good this? question? Because like, it, it's people are people sound. scared to say that stuff? Like, hey, you know, maybe this wasn't such a good idea to to do this, and but. You know, hopefully people understand our perspective. We're pretty good people here at Hot well, Heroes. two of and... us are. You can guess which oh, yeah, two of us you. are. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I think that it was <laughs> – I'm definitely not the good person. I think it was uh, – yeah, I, I think it was a swing and a miss. And if it was like the first to do this, that'd be bold, that'd be unique. But it's just it's just part of a, a, a rampant, like, new thing that's happening in media. And, like, it's not, there's nothing against it. But, like, get creative with it or – all the storyline, make it interesting, make it part of what we're trying to watch, not, yeah, push your own agenda. Yeah. So it was a distraction for sure. So we all give it a one star trash can. Sounds like one star. Yeah, it wasn't can. very good. All right. Well, worst rating I've ever given. Anybody. That's our thoughts on good old Gerard's uh, latest uh, edition. So uh, we'll be right back after this. Good. This episode is brought to you by our friends and family at Action City Comics who have been with us from the very beginning. Love you guys. Uh, they have our picture up on the wall in there from 2000 and whenever. That's how long they've been with us. Forgot about that. Um, yeah. And uh, if anybody wants to know where that, you can look for them on Instagram, Facebook. They got a new Facebook group coming out where you can do auctions, exclusive books. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we love them to death and we appreciate them. So. Federal Way, Washington. Go say hi to my best friend, Doug. Yeah, Doug. Love you, Action City. Mr. Simon, bring me a dream. Bum, 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 bum. Is that more fitting or is it more so like... <laughs> Definitely this. <laughs> yeah. never, <laughs> <laughs> So we're talking Sandman, mm. and uh, I kind of want to give the floor to you two because I personally didn't. I have no idea what you guys are going to say. Through by the, the way. entire book. audience, I have no idea. This yeah. is like this is one of the few times when we haven't like had any text conversations about it at all. Me and Zach going in blind. A couple episodes together, um, 
and held hands, and that was a special moment for us. But we didn't we didn't break down our thoughts really. So, uh, Jr., I think you should lead it off here because you have the most Sandman knowledge. I know that for the record, I read the book too. I read the first the first issue, and I think that. Uh, this was a comic that I've always been intrigued by, but never had the mm-hmm. time or never put in the time to break it down. I just hear all mm-hmm. the legendary stuff about it. It was the first first comic I think to ever uh, make the New York's New York Times bestseller list. Is that true? Um, yeah, I think. Uh, Damn, it really you know kind of changed the game there. It's one of those you know like Watchmen. It's one of those just oh like, wow genre altering stories. So so Jr. You know, roll it out. What were your thoughts of the show? And you know, any any ties to the comics? You felt were great. Yeah, so if you want to read the book and you want to watch the show and have some like good comparison, um, the the show follows issues one through sixteen um, from the comic book, and this show, I mean, I binged this show in two days, I, I Friday night and Saturday night. I mean, I watched. I mean, I think we were like the last minute. I was on like the last episode. But this has been the closest I have ever seen a show match the comic book. It's almost word for word. There's, mm-hmm. you know, um, I've read Silence of the Lambs, and that was pretty. Here. That was pretty pretty close, but um, it was the closest thing you'll ever see. There are obviously some changes. Um, they couldn't have the DC characters in there. There's some DC characters, uh, Scarecrow, which is funny to have in there. Um, some Justice League stuff, John. Who can uh, go into your mind? You know, John that. the Martian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and so uh, John Constantine. They changed that up a little bit. Uh, there is a uh, uh, Joanne Constantine um, in the book. It's just a little bit different, um, but it is the closest you will ever read to having a show. I mean, it was just there. There's some sequences that are changing, and so um, I I enjoyed both quite quite a lot. I mean, the CGI in this show was amazing um and the acting was spot on we're not seeing too many like huge famous actors so i think you just get you're not distracted by that either you're just enjoying the the writing and you're enjoying Pattinson was in it that was a pretty big deal no that's the lead robert pattinson was not in it where was was bobby pats oh no geez just some other skinny british guy yeah that was their best was in there yeah, that Jeez. Um, I just kept seeing but, his face the entire time. I'm sorry. I think I'm not the only one. <laughs> he probably could have worked, but oh, he um, but yeah, I I, I actually there's nothing Bobby Pat can't do at this point. Vengeance. That's true. I mean, that guy is top notch. Yeah, which everybody had a lot of doubts. I know I did, but not anymore. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a great read if you want to read. There's a, a a deluxe edition of the book where it's exactly one through sixteen, and there's like an extra. At the at the end of it, but it it you'll see how close that is. And um, man, I just enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed re- digging into into this and, and reading articles about it. Uh, Neil Gaiman and and how they changed things about it, what he wanted to accomplish, and why he waited so long for this show to come out. He was it just wasn't ready for it. Um, they they gave. I mean, he was a. It was like one of his first things to do in 1988, right? Like just come up with this this storyline that can mix in with DC, but then it was so good. It just, it just kind of ran its own universe and got rid of like, we're too big for DC kind of, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, under DC vertical, but uh, vertical, but uh, yeah, vertical, but, but it, it just was so much better to, to mix it in with the, I guess the commercial superheroes that mm-hmm. they just kind of gave it its own run. And it's just, it is one of the best storylines you can and stories that you can read, I think. 
for yeah. a comic. I only read the first wow. issue, like I said, but I remember the first episode was literally almost shot for shot. It was, it was. It continues eerie. all the way through. So, like, hundred percent. Can you tell the listeners why Sandman was so like so much of a game changer when it came out? Like, what's so unique about it? Why is it such a cult classic? I think it 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 felt it follows this like. I mean, just from listening to the game, and it it, it just one his writings have always been really good. I mean, have you have you read you know if you read um, American Gods or the Anansi Boys, uh, those books, you just get swallowed in this story. He's got this poetry to himself as well. Like, I know. I was kind of showing you guys, yeah, and he just there's like some lines kinda, where you're just like, wow. Yeah, you're just like it just brings you in, and I I think it was so different at the time, and maybe he kind of benefited from the 80s and 90s in comics being shit. Like there weren't the best times in, in mid nineties. Like we said before, Marvel was going bankrupt and they sold their rights to Spider-Man, you know? So, um, to Sony. So it, it's just maybe the stories just was so different and so in, in depth. And, and so, I mean, it's almost like a fantasy kind of storyline, right? You've got demons, you've got trolls, you've got, you know, uh, immortals, you've got all these things that, um, you've got William Shakespeare, <laughs> you, you've got, you know, yeah. all these things, that kind of make this storyline really well and it was um i could see why it was one of the you know new york's best-selling books because it's just it's, it's for everybody and, and when i say everybody i mean adults you know it, it literally is an adult read you know mm-hmm. um you got murder you've got you know uh just deception i mean can you imagine someone breaking into your mind while you sleep and controlling that and putting up walls that no one else can penetrate and you're like lost in this and you're locked I mean, in yeah right and that they can do that with ghosts i mean they trapped in a ghost i mean it's a little bit different in in the uh in the book i mean hector's character is is uh actual the pretend sandman in the book and he's and he's helping that kid from being abused instead of mm-hmm. the kid being sandman but i mean you're still like whoa that's a crazy concept you know mm-hmm. just the concepts alone i think were were part of that as well yeah yeah, man, I I um I I agree for the most part, but I differ on on I think one key thing. Um, first of all, I think when I watch a show, um, the main feedback I get is like the show is so interesting. There's so many concepts in the show that I feel like are so unique and cool. Um, but I feel like when we say things like that, we can't really like attribute that to the show because, like you said, it's going shot for shot from the book so mm-hmm. you kind of have to say like this book was interesting which i'm all for like i think the book was really really good mm-hmm. it had a lot of really cool concepts um and lots of unique scenarios that i never would have imagined and i think that's like what why you read in the first place like fantasy right to like be shown these concepts where you're like whoa what would that be like that's crazy um so the book was great i really liked it but then if we talk about the show then we have to talk about like okay so if the show's going shot for shot from the book, then what we're really critiquing is adaptation. Like, how well did this show adapt the concepts from the book into, like, this live-action scenario? And that's where I have, like, more of an issue with the show. Like, I, I feel like I didn't like the main character that played Sandman. You like Bobby Pats? He wasn't. He wasn't Bobby Pats. That's my thing. <laughs> should have been. He wasn't Bobby Pats, but he wanted to be. Yeah. And I feel like... It's almost like they felt they did like a little bit of of a reserved ver- version of Sandman because like in the book Sandman is like very 
I mean, he's not a monster, but like his skin is white, his hair is black, his bubbles are fucking a different color, and it it's just like he looks out there. Like he just looks very unique, and I feel like they kind of made this guy look gothic, but I don't feel like they took it far enough to make him feel like an eternal, like an eternal god. And I also just didn't love like his delivery of the lines. Like he was just very like. Bobby Pat, like Robbie, like I don't know. It just it was hard to not think about Edward from Twilight, and <laughs> I felt like that was kind of one of the drawbacks of, of the adaptation. And in just in general, like I think there was a lot of concepts that they could have gone farther with that um, from like a from like a costume standpoint, from like a costume makeup standpoint to like make the world feel feel more fantasy than they ended up doing, um, which I didn't love. Did I like the show? Yeah, I like the show. But that was like my one gripe with the show. Um, other than that, though, I mean, I felt like the book was amazing. Does it, it, There's more volumes of Sam and does it like stay good? It stays good. Like I to to the end. I have to like reread some of it because I don't think I finished it. But it it continues to just get deeper and deeper. And I yeah, think I kind of like- feel I kind of feel like I, I'm reading the extra bit of the first book rereading it right now and i just feel like whatever they're setting up for they're setting up for some shit like it's gonna keep going so i actually think that netflix has like a franchise on their hands and i think that if they stay true to these books and they're that's probably the best bet because the books are really 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 good and it has a very strict like strong following that if you don't stick to the books people like jr are gonna yell from their mom's basements on well, it, all the websites <laughs> about how there are some really it. crazy Sandman. Uh, I've met them before. Some Sandman fans. I mean, you could you, you when you meet them, you'll see they have tattoos of it on their arm, like a whole body. I've seen a person with the whole art on their body, wow. them, and I've met them, and they're intense, and you don't mess with it, you know. And I think <laughs> Neil Gaiman knew that. He's like, do not mess with it. Yeah, you know, we're gonna have to change some things because of rights and. Um, I think people were a little annoyed because there was some some changes and some sexuality in it, but I I didn't even notice it, you know, and yeah. uh, I guess I, I don't even know what the, who's who what character had changed, but there were a lot um, of uh, yeah a lot of queer characters, but in the book though, like that yeah. wasn't even like a game changer for the show. Like the, there was no, just... it's just I guess some of the other characters had had been changed. Um, I, I have no idea why they were complaining about it, but you know, they're going to find something cause there's always those purists, I guess. Um, I just, I enjoy it because it's fun from reading it to seeing it visually. Cause it's such a different stimulation in the mind, mm-hmm. you know, your, your imagination, I guess <laughs> kind of lazy is your, your brain's not working as hard to imagine it. <laughs> and you're like, uh, you know, there's not that much work, which I love reading. I, I read a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of, I read regular books too, so it's it kind of uh, kind of cool. And but I get, I mean, I totally get what you're saying. I actually thought that too. Is like, is it? We've talked about how close can a show be to the writing? Is it? And how far can it be? Like too much? Like mm-hmm. is it too much? Because are you now? Are you getting away from creativeness? You know, from it. And yeah, um, it's such a fine line. And I think if it's hard to say if I didn't read the book and then didn't read and watch the show or vice versa first. Sometimes I like to watch and then read, yeah, because then you get the extra details. But you're not going to get that here, so I don't yeah, know I, I how think you feel that, about it. <laughs> I think I would have had a different take if I would have watched and then read, but I read and then watched, and yeah. so I think if I would have watched and then read, I probably would have been blown away by the show, to be honest, because I just would have been like, 
whoa, like this is all new. This is like new, interesting designs and all this crazy stuff. But because I read, like I said, I knew that it was all shot for shot, frame for frame, basically from the book. So then I felt like, well, what are we even, you know, once you do that, and I don't think that's a bad way to go, especially if the book's as popular as Sandman is and Mm -hmm. it has such a cult following. But once you do that, then you really get our, should be critiqued at least on adaptation. That's that's my my feeling at least, um, yeah, I and I just feel like the adaptation. I feel like could have been stronger. Like I I would have preferred a more, um, more fantasy driven character design for Sandman and for the world as a whole in the show. That's just what I'm, what I think. And and I am one of those viewers that hasn't read the book and just watched the show. So I. All I knew going in, I read the first issue, obviously, but all I knew going in to the show was that Sandman was a trip. It was obviously iconic, but it was almost like a fever dream of a comic. Like, it's just, it's a lot, it's unique, it's different. And when I watched the show, I felt like I was watching another Netflix show. Like, it, nothing really stood out to me like, wow, that's that's wildly different than anything I've ever seen before. Um, I do think that it was very, uh, much more grounded than I expected. Um, obviously, there's the, there's the dreamland and the dream world, and there's you know like they go to hell, and there are these crazy settings that they they venture through, and there's some crazy concepts with dreams and nightmares, and how the nightmares don't want to be nightmares; they want to help, and like that was a that was a cool concept. There were some definitely cool concepts, but I I just just viewing it, I I think I side with you on that, Zach. That I think they could have could have gone bigger, and I remember the episode that we were watching together was the diner episode, and Honestly, probably my favorite episode. Of, that was of the so season. dope. Um, and just ju- generally on both sides, book and show, like that episode is nuts. I love a I love yeah. a good bottle episode. Whenever an episode of any show is all in one room, and it's all happening, and the characters are changing throughout the show, like I think that's so fucking cool. difficult to capture and execute yeah. appropriately. And I think they did a good job. Yeah, and I know that was one of your favorite comics. But the villain in this piece, um, the son. Uh, of the main guy that captured uh, Morpheus. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. Is it John? Roderick. Um, is it Roderick? I thought it was Roderick. I thought it was Something John. Was it? But anyways, the the guy, the old man that's you know got the gem and he's fiddling with everybody's minds and basically taking lies away because he doesn't want anybody to be able to lie anymore and that would create a true, pure society and obviously it creates chaos. Chaos. Pure chaos. His his character was interesting to me, and I thought that they were doing a pretty cool job. And then you showed me the comics and showed me what he was in the comic. Yeah, and he was a he was almost like a creature. Like he was he a was monster, decrepit. Yeah, and that is what I was hoping for in this. That's kind of what I mean. That's a gr- that's a that's a very specific example of like my whole general point. Yeah, essentially, is like they could have taken the show farther. Right. They could have gone farther with it. Like put him in the back booth, creepy as hell, sipping his soup, and just. Yeah, twiddling his fingers, whatever he's doing with that gem, and and that would make me like I want to be a little scared when I see him, not like like this is just an old guy. Pity this old man. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was both a highlight and um, something that I was kind of discouraged by. I will say, like I'm always big on on characters. Uh, two characters really stood out to me. One was really brief, and that was Death. I thought that episode was beautiful, and how yeah, that was cool. They portrayed the Angel of Death being so like calming and like. Empathetic and the, yeah, like yeah, it's, it's, it's now the your same time. in the comic. Yeah, same thing. I think same that's thing. I think that's genius, yeah. and, and that I think very cool. They portrayed that really well in the show. I thought mm-hmm. it was like it made me more 
more comfortable with death just watching that episode. Like, You're like, oh, maybe it's oh, not so bad. Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe this beautiful lady will come take my hand. I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go. It's your time. And that sounds like it could be worse. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I think who stole the show this whole season was Corinthian. Um, I thought his character was just so intriguing, so creepy. I don't fully understand the concept behind him. I know he was created by Morpheus. And I think he was, he's a nightmare. He's supposed to be a nightmare, he's and he has nightmare. like teeth yeah. for eyes. Yeah, and, like I just his his whole character trope and the arc he goes through, and how he's trying to basically take down Morpheus um, from the real from the real world. Like that is what sold me on this. I think the rest of the show was good. I think Corinthian brought it up a notch just because his character was like polarizing. The whole concept of the the serial expo too. The collectors. The collectors. Yeah, yeah. Like that was so that's just like dark, but it's like, God, that's so interesting. Like because I've been I'm sure we've all been to like work events. You know, when you, like, yeah, well, yeah. not, not that, but like conferences <laughs> where you have like a badge and you have to like, mm-hmm. there's people that give keynote speeches and shit mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And they like straight up had a cereal, they, but they called it like cereal, like Cheerio cereal. I know, I was thinking like, what are we doing <laughs> yeah. kicks or? Yeah. And I just felt like that was like a very, like there was like concepts like that that were like, damn dude, like this is like fucking creative, man. Like really, really cool. So yeah, I mean, it was good. Like it's a great story. Like. The, the source material is, like, I'm with the people that are saying, like, yo, this is top-notch. This is, like, A1. Like, I, I feel it. Like, I've read the book, and I'm like, yeah, for sure. I'm with that. Is a show top-notch A1? No, I, I wouldn't say that. I think it's good, yeah. but I'm not going to say, like, this is the best show I've ever seen in my life. Like, I, I, I just don't think that the success um, made, like, a vertical jump from comic to live action. And that's the challenge going into something. The bar is set so high with something that's got such a strong following. You're going to be playing from behind, and you got to really, you know, overwhelm the viewers to, to get the same acknowledgement that the comic gets, and that's just a tough place to And play. I'm just a critic, man. I don't know how to do that. Like, I think if, if I played devil's advocate to this whole position that we're taking, like, I would say, all right, well, you fucking get pissed when I don't follow the story and now you're pissed that I just followed the story like what do you want me to do and to that Mr. Make-Believe director the answer is I'm not well, sure he's yet he's a man. real person but yeah I'm not sure yet <laughs> I don't know I think that there's a balance that JR mentioned it before he's like it's a fine line you have to like and I think that basically you just have to like approach it as like what are you going to be critiqued on like if you decide to pull an Umbrella Academy and you decide to like go off the rails <laughs> then whatever you do off the rail should be better be good because, like, that's where the focus is going to be. But if you decide to say, like, this is source material, so great, and I'm just going to follow it, like, you know, frame for frame, awesome. But then the critique becomes, like, adaptation. Like, how well did it translate? So, I don't know. Maybe it's not fair, but that's just how I felt. It's not, but that's what the business we're in. So, Jay, you've, you've read past volume one, so what can our viewers expect from season two? I know they kind of set it up with Lucifer – gonna go you know kind of battle back and take down morpheus is desire desire feels like she's desire about to be is gonna be a big part of it too there yeah there's just there's a lot more of like these concepts with his dreaming i think and i mean this whole this whole first half was about him gaining his power and tracking down things that he's lost and i think that continues to be built on the second one for sure and um, is there new characters going to come up? I think so. I think there's a little, it's a little bit more graphic. Um, so we'll see how close they, they get involved with that as well. Cause we all know that the more graphic it is, the less, the harder it is to make it a rating to be viewed by everyone. Um, 
And so we'll see. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be some new things that I think it's going to be, it should be good. If they follow the same plan, it's going to be good. It's just a continuation of, of the story and, and Sandman. And it's funny to watch this super God, I guess, go through these personal struggles, He's you know? Endless, I mean, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be some really cool stuff, I think, coming out. Yeah, I did, I did like a, the idea of like an endless like learning and and changing and like growing. Like he's been yeah yeah alive for. I like the concept of the endless meeting with a dude every hundred years. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, like there's a yeah, lot of really cool concepts yeah. Yeah, where you're is. just like Jesus, that's so fucking like and the guy creative like, was happy you know? like most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> he was like yeah, I love it. Yeah, because yeah. you expected him years. to be like, oh, if you give him life forever, like he's gonna hate it. And then like every time they met, they're just like, this is awesome, <laughs> this is great, you know. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of cool concepts. It's a, it's a good story. It's a good story. All right, so I'll go with my rating. I gave it. I gave the show a seven, um, just because I thought it was entertaining. But I I had I had hopes for more. I guess. Uh, what do you guys give it? I give the book a ten, and I give the show an eight. Okay, JR. I gave it the exact same thing. Uh, the show was great. I mean, I enjoyed it. The book is enthralling and. You could, it's one the of those book books is legendary. The show is good. So if you, it yeah. sounds like if you read the book, you'll enjoy the show, show more because it's so close, and you probably catch things. Well, it depends on who you are as a person. I think. I mean, uh, I liked it because I was like, it, it you know, kind of clicked with my mind. Um, but it might ruin it if you're, you're like, oh fuck, I already watched this. It's boring, technically. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because it is very depends. close. Yeah, that's true. So I, I mean, but if you love if you something, want, you always want to see it on the screen. I mean, yeah, yeah. So maybe if you're not a comic book fan and you just want to enjoy a show, just watch the show and then maybe read the book later. But if you're, you know, depends on, again, how lazy you are about reading and watching shows. I mean. Yeah. Right yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's our Sam and take. We'll be right back after this. Sweet. Hello, Hopheads. We just want to take a quick moment to shout out our friends over at Hops Geek News. Hoppy Mommy and Mash have a podcast where they drink beer as well, and turns out they talk about nerd shit. So if you're enjoying this, you'll enjoy them. Uh, you can find them on the Hops News platform, anywhere you can find podcasts. And uh, I think when we went toe-to-toe to them in the nerd, battle and they did They did technically beat us, but like I kind of have a beef with that because – they removed JR, who's part of our team. That's like, true. So That's it's true. like, why would you, why were, why are we tying an arm behind our, like, of course you and me don't know what we're talking yeah, about. So like, it's been a I got a beef with that. I feel like we need a rematch and I think we should have JR. Yeah. It wasn't that bad though. It was close. It was closer than we, than we thought. It wasn't that bad. That's encouraging. We lost, <laughs> but we, 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 it was close. This was supposed to be an ad spot for Hawks Geek News and instead Not it was a, just a, a fucking challenge. challenge. A challenge. We're throwing down the gauntlet. <laughs> so we'll Halloween, see you back out there. 2022. Matter of fact, don't even go fucking no, we love them. Love you guys. Check yeah. them out. And we're back. And I hope you all are ready because I've been waiting to talk about this for weeks now. Yeah. Jordan Peele. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's more to say. Um, <sighs> JR didn't get a chance to see Nope because uh, he is nope. on. Uh, it's on Baby Watch. He's on Baby Watch. But damn it, Jr. Get out there and see it. We're gonna spoil some things for you. I'm sure we won't, we won't go too in much detail there. That's um, okay. Spoil it want, away. I mean, I do want movie, people love to, it. to see this movie. If yeah, yet. I'll try to stay away. I think I can do it. Um, everybody dies. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nope is a story about this desert, this horse ranch in the in the desert that 
uh, they're like in the hills of California, but not like the rich hills. They're right. like in the you know right and arid they, areas. They breed horses for Hollywood. Yeah. They, they breed them for shows, and and uh, you know it's kind of like a a nod to Ed, the Talking Horse Show. Yeah, they, they even give uh, a nod to this um, Gordy, this like chimp that goes mm-hmm. to space, and then is part of this family sitcom, and it gets really graphic from there. Um, and essentially, this UFO is circling this area around this ranch and this family, uh, really the, 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 the son and sister, um, kind of try and capture it on film yeah. so they can sell the rights before somebody else does. Yeah. I want to start with that concept because I think that concept is so interesting. I, I, can't, I can't say that I've ever thought of aliens coming to Earth and the first thing I think of is I want to capture this and sell it first. Yeah which is such a modern concept that makes perfect yeah. sense if you put it out there, but that's not the first thought that came to my mind. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool and so interesting. Yeah. Like when you think signs, like signs is the first alien movie that I really like shook me um, from a, just a spooky standpoint and like just stuck with me. And like, they were not trying to capture that thing. They were trying to stay in their basement with their little foil hats on and just get through the night. Yeah. Which is, I feel like we're I would be, but then I see these actors. Well, your baby powder soft. Okay, well, I would save the world. But I see these actors. I just have to get there mentally. It would just take a little bit. Uh, like portrayed in these roles with this supernatural event happening, and they're just so grounded and so like normal. And that's where the title of the movie comes from. Nope. Like when when he's in the truck and the aliens like hovering around, and he just locks the door. Nope. Not, yeah, not fucking doing that. Yeah, it's just yeah. like yeah, it's like that's actually probably what would happen. Yeah, um, I fucking love this movie, and I have a whole spiel about Jordan Peele that I want to go on. But before we get there, Zach, what what are your thoughts from the movie? Okay, out of the gate, I don't want to. I don't want to jump on your toes on the Jordan Peele piece, so I'll try not to do that. But uh, the movie specifically, um, this movie to me was unique because of the premise. It was unique because it was a combination of horror and comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it had a, a, a real knack for keeping its characters low to the ground, despite the absurdity mm-hmm. that was happening all around them. And I think that's like really one of Jordan Peele's like superpowers is that like, he puts these characters in positions that are so crazy, but he keeps them, so human and so relatable that their dialogue, their interactions back and forth, the way they react to the absurd that that's around them is like hilarious because you see yourself in them. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like that's like fucking rare and incredible. Um, I also feel like despite like that premise that we already kind of touched on and said, this is really unique. It even gets more unique because and this is going to be a spoiler. I said I wasn't going to do it. Now I'm going to do it. The UFO is actually like a beast. It's a creature. It's a creature. Yeah. It's not like a ship, right? Yeah. Like everybody thinks it's a ship. It ends up being like actually just a monster that wants to eat stuff. So that's like a whole other thing that's like really interesting. Because they're taming horses and they take that knowledge of taming a, a, a beast yeah. to taming this creature. And yeah, they take that's the same a UFO. Concepts. Don't look them in the eyes. Don't do these things. Yeah. Like it's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I felt like – so like – I mean, creativity is out of the box, execution out of the park. Like, but I also feel like, um, no frame 
no single frame in the film is wasted. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I'm sure that was great to listen to. I enjoyed it. Um, and what I mean by that is like, and I think this is like a mark of good filmmakers or even great filmmakers, but, and, and you know, Jordan Peele is just one of them. But like these things that happen in the beginning that feel like they're, they could just be world building, like a handshake or a one-liner joke between the sister and the brother. And you're like, okay, this is just kind of like we're setting the stage, blah, 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 blah. That can either go in one ear out the other, but it doesn't. It comes back around towards the end of the movie for different times or reasons or whatever. And it's just like this, it's so tight. There's nothing wasted, not a line. Not one line is wasted in this film. And I just feel like, to me, it felt like watching Nope was like watching LeBron James in his prime. Like, I just feel like Jordan Peele is, like, a great, like, a great one. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's in the prime of his creative career. He's and we're just, like, watching him be great. Like, that's what I feel like. Like, I just feel like I'm watching Nope and my, my hair's blown back and I'm just like, oh, my God. And then at the end, like, the only thing I can think about is, like, like, grateful that I'm here to be able to witness greatness. Like, that's what I feel like. I felt like when I was watching that, I was watching you and your sister Aaliyah go through an alien invasion. Because that's yeah, the vibe dude. I got. Yeah, from, that character reminds me of my M. sister a lot. When they had the camera show, I was like, did I not tell you it was going to be a camera that didn't use electricity? And then he just started fucking dapping mm-hmm. harder and harder and harder. It's like, I could see you guys doing that yeah. in that moment. That's what I mean. Like, the characters are so relatable, bro. Yeah. So, uh, JR, we'll come to you for questions in a second here. But there's a few things that you just said that really <laughs> stuck with me. It's a combination of comedy and horror. It's grounding the absurd. And, yeah. and I listened to a podcast interviewing Jordan Peele and how he has gone from Key and Peele to uh, Get Out. Mm-hmm. And that was the first jump. And Get Out was probably his masterpiece. I mean, that's mm-hmm. his goddamn... Uh, Magnum opus. Yeah. It, it And it's, it's such... A big jump, like from the outside looking in, but he breaks it down to like comedy and horror are so aligned because both genres are all you're trying to do is take an absurd concept and ground it to make it relatable, and Mm. both concepts come into come into play there. And he's trying to establish Mm. a new genre. He's trying to go from this. Where is Balake at? No Balake here today. My name is Blake. (laughs) he's trying to go from that to fucking i got five on it like the dun dun like he's trying to like just create this absurdity but like make it so goddamn relatable and he is so talented with that he's he's killing it he he is he's like is he the number one director in hollywood right now he has to be Anytime Jordan Peele comes out of the movie, everybody's seeing it. And, I like, mean, you know that that's true because, like, it'll be, like, like the promos will be, like, a couple flashes of something. And then it'll be, like, black screen. And then it'll just say, from Jordan Peele. And then, and then everyone's oh, like, shit. oh, put it up on this. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I can keep going. Bismo Funyuns. Florida State University. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Bismo Funyuns. Hingle McCringleberry. <laughs> Utah State. I I just I I've, I've loved Key and Peele. I mean, when it first came out, I was like, okay, we got another Chappelle show on our hands. Yeah, that's what I felt too. But it's a little bit more out there than Chappelle. Like Chappelle is himself. Like he's always playing his characters, but he's got his own style. Like Key and Peele is like so many different concepts. And and the way he talks about his interviews, like to make 
uh, like sketch comedy and to make it like effective and like hilarious every single time, like you got to take swings because you're going to miss. Like there's going to be ones people don't, that don't land people. Are like, yeah. Yeah. Be ones that people should have got a little farther with that one. Like there's going to be a lot of critiques on sketch comedy because it's just so out there and yeah. so like boom, boom, boom. And he's taken all of that feedback and made his movies freaking so tight, like you're saying. Like, he doesn't waste an inch of dialogue. Because I think he's gotten more feedback than most directors or most actors or most writers early on in his career from sketch comedy. Like, it's a great foundation yeah. to go into something to take these risks. Because he knows what risks he's taken, and he knows what's been successful and what hasn't. Yeah. And now he can kind of channel that into this new these new projects he's doing. Yeah. He's already working on another one, by the way. He's already working on a, a, another movie that's going to be out there and probably blow our mm. minds. But I just cannot... Fucking wait for the Jordan Peele Express. Yeah, I I felt like, um, and I said this on the episode pr- previously that Taika Waititi couldn't miss, and I was wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> right now, it feels like truthfully Jordan Peele can't miss. I don't think he can. It feels like he can't miss. It, it he's he's just for all the reasons we've mentioned, he's incredible. He's talented, and um, his relationship with his actors too, like the main actor. Do you know what his name is? Michael. Uh, oh, we look. Uh, it's like it's not Holiday, but it's something. Like that, we looked it up right after we watched the movie. I remember that. But Jordan's gonna give us the name of this main actor. We're we're terrible with names, but um, there was the same Daniel guy from Kaluuya. Kaluuya, yeah, uh, same guy from Get Out. Uh, also the same guy in. Uh, he's not in us. Oh, he's not in us. No. Okay, but anyway, um, he plays an amazing character because he plays like an underspoken, um, kind of stoic, mm-hmm. kind of quiet character, and I was you know talking to Jordan about this because we went to the movies um, and watched this together. He tried to hold my hand multiple times. And um, I uh, <laughs> was just saying, like, it's. It, I think it takes, like, a certain amount of trust between both of them, Daniel and Jordan, to be able to, like, build a movie of that magnitude with a character of that, like, that's that reserved. Because I feel like the, the knee-jerk thing to want to do is to want to, like, act your ass off. You're going to want to, like, get big for the moments that are big, you're going to want to like show that you can have this range of emotion and that you can like deliver these lines that are like mad effective and all this stuff. But I think that like, you kind of have to trust Jordan's vision and be like, look, man, you need to be quiet here and you need to let your sister be big or you need to let, uh, Daniel. It's not, his name isn't Daniel Craig, Daniel Yoon, Steven, Yoon. Steven Yoon. Yeah. You need to let Steven Yoon be big here. So like, the whole story revolved around this central character that was like, like gave everybody around him space to, to, to give us that, those peaks and those valleys. And I just felt like he did it beautifully. And at the end, even though the spotlight was kind of given away, the spotlight kind of returns back because like at the end of the day, like my thought was like how subtle and fantastic that main character was, even though, he wasn't the one that was trying to like get big and get do all these things everybody else around him was. So I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's like a trusting relationship and um, there's just a lot into it that I think works. Yeah, I agree. Hi, Alicia. I got to take the baby. You got to take the baby. Okay. Me and JR can close it out. All right. Zach's on baby duty. Baby duty. All right. So, 
we'll revisit in a second here, Jr. But I got some some undertones to this I want to talk about. Yeah. So, to every Jordan Peele movie, there's also there's always like a cultural or a political undertone. Uh, cool. Like especially with Get Out, I mean, the racial undertones in that movie are just yeah. Very yeah, that's tough prominent. to watch sometimes too. Uh, yeah, and but it does in such a fantastical way, obviously. So, with mm-hmm. this one, I was curious because it's not in your face; it's very subtle. If there is one, and I've read some articles on what the thoughts are as to what it might be, or what they might be if there's multiple, and there's interesting ones. So, the first one that comes to mind, the first one that I thought stuck out the most was the entirety of the movie is them trying to capture this beast on camera and it's so hard to do because power goes out wherever it's at like it kills the power it kills cell phones Mm -hmm. like it kills batteries it kills everything so like how do you capture this if you can't and their response is they find this like legendary director who they were actually working with with one of their horses and he always wants to make the perfect shot like that's always been his dream Mm -hmm. and so he has this he creates this camera himself that's basically hand crank camera so it doesn't require electricity and so that's their response that's is cool. they're going to they're gonna use this. And in like in the process before they get this camera, they're having like shots of – they're like talking about how there's always been shots of UFOs, but they've always been, you know, out of focus or they've been like critiqued because they don't know if it's real. And then they're trying to – they have this, this, vi- this video of this cloud that's not moving. And that's essentially what the alien – we're doing a lot of spoilers. The, the alien hides behind – like a cloud. Right. It's like, it's, it's camouflage. And so like, it's in the sky this entire time in the day and everything, but you don't know it because it looks like a cloud. But then if you watch the sky all day, the cloud doesn't move and all the other clouds do. And so that's how they first find out that this is up there and they have a video camera filming the sky and the cloud's not moving. And they're like, that's not enough. People aren't going to wow. think that's an alien. They're just going to think it's a weird glitch or a camera issue. Then they have a little shot yeah. of it, I think as well. And like, yep, it's not enough. People aren't going to think that's enough. Like, we need more. And this relates to police brutality, to where they have all this footage of all these terrible things happening, yet it's not enough. And people still don't buy it. People still wonder, like, well, what is, like, the other side of this story? Or what else happened before or after this was shot? Like, there's all these questions being asked when they have this video in front of them of what happened. So, like, that was one concept I thought was super intriguing, and that definitely has racial undertones with what's going on in our, our society and all the police brutality out there and the, and the you know, the victims of that and the, the common connections between the victims and, and all that. So I think that that was a super interesting concept. I think that one rings the truest. Um, there's also another one that's an, a subtle undertone. I think there's a few nods to it that makes it a little less subtle, but like with like the, the Gordy sitcom that goes awry, um, which is like basically the chimp just, mutilates the entire cast at a live taping. Um, and so that, wow. that goes wrong. Um, one of the comments, like the sister Emerald, she's selling herself and selling all of her abilities and talking about how she can ride motorcycles. She can act, she can sing, she can do all these things. Like she's, she's trying to make it in the industry. Um, and OJ's the main character. He just wants to tame horses. Like he doesn't want to be famous. He's like the, the contrast to everyone in the show. Everyone else wants to make it big. And this legendary director they get that has this camera tells Emerald this, this mountain you're trying to climb, like that's the dream. But once you get on top, like there's nothing else up there. Like that's, that's, that's the end of your dream is you get to the top of the mountain and then you're there and then it's over. And so like, it's, it's this, this desire of fame that everybody's clawing at. They want this fame. They want this fortune. But when you get there, you realize it's not enough. 
And right. the director that has the camera, he wants the shot and he's not getting it. He's not getting enough of it with his camera. So he takes his camera, climbs to the top of a mountain and is shooting this alien as it goes over him and hovers over him and sucks him up. And he's, <laughs> he's filming while he's getting sucked up. And that's what, that's what fame did to him. He wanted the most iconic shot and it took his life. To, to get it. And so like, I think that yeah. is another undertone that's not as subtle, but more forward facing. And I think that's interesting. It's like the climb to fame is never worth it. Um, and the last mm-hmm. piece I'll say about this movie is it's very, it's got a dry feel to it. And not just cause it's in a desert, but because it's slow, the pace is pretty <laughs> slow. Yeah. But the moments where it picks yeah. up are intense. Like Zach already mentioned, it's not, yeah. a, it's not a ship, it's a creature. And it shows this creature right. suck up this entire crowd of people and then it shows what happens to the people while they're inside this thing getting digested. And it's fucking terrifying. Oh, wow. So like this is not just a you know a kind of a spooky thriller. Like it gets it becomes a horror at points, which is really what I was hoping it would have a little bit of, and it has just enough. So all in, like Jordan Peele does not miss, and this is a definitely a must see film, especially if you like his previous ones, which if you don't, I don't understand yeah. you. So having yeah. heard all that what are your thoughts? What are your questions? <laughs> what do you want to talk about? I think one of the things that I'm, I'm intrigued is, is, is being a director these days hasn't been great. Like there, I haven't, I guess, seen another Steven Spielberg really lately. You know what I mean? Like it's really hard to nail down one guy that, you know, when he makes a movie, you're going to enjoy it. Or, I mean, when you watch Steven Spielberg, it was all about, the story and being lost in this wonderful world of cinematic, you know, and it sounds like Jordan Peele has this kind of value to him as well, just maybe different tones of the same color spectrum, right? So I think I'm, I'm very intrigued in that. I've been, ever since uh, Zach talked about movies and making movies, I've been really like sucked into these types of movies. Like what? what kind of value can we get out of this movie? And I think it sounds like Nope, which I, I was excited to watch as well, had that, like, what's the, what are we going to get at? Like, what creativeness are we going to get thrown in it? And that horror, horror is such an easy thing to make. You know, for most, that's how most directors, you know, can start off as making horror movies because why, let's, eat, let's just scare people, right? Jump um, scenes, blood splatter. And, gruesome yeah. yeah i mean we're talking evil dead here kind of concepts right where they really just kind of did what they needed to do to be scary right um and i think being able to be creative in in that arena and make it different which it sounds like it is right it sounds like it's a different kind of horror than we've seen before maybe um and then you add in these undertones of social uh, your social injustices or, or cultural awareness i think it's pretty cool so i mean do you how do you feel about a movie? I mean, could he make like a superhero movie and have that same effect? Or does it have to be something so creatively written that it, 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 it's, it's unable to do it in like a, a comic movie? I, I, I think that at this point, I think Jordan Peele could do anything. I mean, I think that yeah. there's nothing that he can't do. I mean, I know that we talked about the jump to comedy to horror is it's actually really close. Um, yeah contrary to what, what a lot of people might think but i also think that it's not as close as he makes it sound i think he makes it sound a lot mm-hmm. easier than it actually is and i think that yeah. if he can make that leap i think he can do a, a serious action um i don't think anything with jordan peele on it would ever be overly serious um 
And I think there would be obviously quips in there. There'd be some creative attempt. I think that if I thought of him making a superhero movie, I'd think of Brightburn, which was kind of a darker take on a hero that was basically like a Superman. Yeah, but I've never was, seen it, but yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. It wasn't great. If he would have made it, it would have been great. But it's like this kid that has these powers and he doesn't really know how to control them. It's just like Superman powers and he uses it to like unfortunately yeah. destroy and kill people. And that's yeah. that's an interesting take. I think his his take on a superhero story would have a twist. It would it would almost be like an M night, but there'd also be a lot of staging shots early, like Zach was talking about. Like there's this one scene where it looks like it's in the back of a warehouse truck. Like it has like bo- it looks like they're like 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 this like I don't yeah. know if it's polyester, but like there's just like material and then there's like this light at the end and it's kind of like bouncing like it's in the back of a truck. And then you see that shot towards the end of the movie and it's actually the throat of this creature. And that's what gets sucked up into this thing. And so like wow. he has these 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 staged shots that will come around towards the end that make a lot more sense. And he would yeah. he would make it so artistically beautiful, whatever he did that and it would be grounded. It would be relatable. Um there'd probably be some kind of, you know, current undertone that would relate to society. Like he would, he would make it appeal flick no matter what the topic. Um, it's just a matter of if he'd yeah. be interested in doing it, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally intrigued with this stuff, particularly with the directing and cinematic creativity. And, and uh, one of the things is, is visual. How do you get from words, which is tangible to the intangible in a movie, right? Like, that like you're talking about that concept of of you know um, going to the top and fame is, is it worth it and all that journey is it where where is the line drawn or or the racial things that are going on in our country and being able to show that in a movie I mean that's so much talent and so much writing skills that um, that just gets me gets me gets my creative juices flowing so I'm I'm actually really stoked to watch this movie hopefully soon you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got a lot on your plate, but if anything gets the old juices flowing, it's Mr. Peel. So, yeah, um, cool, man. Well, yeah, a ten out of ten. Great, great movie. Go see it. Cool, love it. Uh, and I'm excited for it to hear what you think. But um, yeah, I think that is that's our episode. So, thank you guys so much for listening. It. This came out a week later than we anticipated, but we got there. Um, and we yep. will catch you all next month. Yep. We'll see you.